0: CHAPTER 39 OF THE DELUGE, VOLUME 2. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION, OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. THE DELUGE, VOLUME 2, BY HENRIK SHINKEVIC. TRANSLATED BY JEREMIAH Curtin, 1835-1906. to Chapter Thirty Nine. A bloody storm followed from the side of the Novi Sjat against the Krakow suburbs, not over successful, but in so far effective that it turned the attention of the Swedes from the entrenchment defended by Kmitcitz, and permitted the garrison enclosed in it to rest somewhat. The Poles pushed forward, however, to the Kazimierowski Palace, but they could not hold that point on the other side they stormed up to the danivovitch palace and to danzig house equally without result a number of hundreds of people fell again the king however had this consolation he saw that even the general militia rushed to the walls with the greatest daring and devotion and that after those attempts more or less unsuccessful their courage not only had not fallen, but on the contrary, assurance of victory was growing strong in the army. The most fortunate event of the day was the arrival of Pan Jan Zamoyski and Pan charnyetski The first brought very excellent infantry and guns from Zamosh, so heavy that the Swedes had nothing like them in Warsaw. The second, in agreement with Sapieha, having besieged Douglas, and with some Lithuanian troops and the general militia of Podlaski, under command of Pan Jan, had come to Warsaw to take part in the general storm. It was hoped by Czarniecki as well as others that this would be the last storm. Zamoyski's heavy guns were placed in the position taken by Kmicic. They began work immediately against the walls and the gate and forced the Swedish howitzers to silence at once. General Grodzitski himself occupied the Mole Hill, and Kmiczits returned to his Tartars. But he had not reached his quarters when he was summoned to Ujazdów. The king, in presence of the whole staff, applauded the young knight. Neither Charnyetsky, Sapieha, Lubomirski, nor the Hetman spared praises on him. He stood there in torn garments, covered with earth, his face entirely discolored with powder smoke, without sleep, soiled but joyous because he had held the place, had won so much praise and gained immeasurable glory in both armies. Among other cavaliers, Pan Mihau and Pan Yan congratulated him. You do not know indeed, Pan Andrei, said the little knight, what great weight you have with the king. I was at the council of war yesterday, for Pan Czarnecki took me with him. They talked of the storm and then of the news which had just come in from Lithuania, the war there, and the cruelties which Pontus de Lagarde and the Swedes permit. They were considering at the council how to strengthen resistance. Sapieha said it was best to send thither a couple of squadrons and a man who could be there what Charnyetski was at the beginning of the war in Poland, to which the king answered, there is only one such man. Babinic. the others confirmed this at once i would go most willingly to lithuania and especially to zhmudz answered kmicic i resolved to ask of the king myself permission to go but i am waiting till warsaw is taken there will be a general storm tomorrow, said Zagwaba. i know but how is kettling who is that hassling All one, for he has two names, as is the custom among the English, the Scots, and many other nations. True, answered Zagwoba. and a Spaniard every day of the week has a new name for himself. Your servant told me that hassling, or kettling, is well. He has begun to talk, walks, the fever has left him, he calls for food every hour. Have you been with him? asked Kmicic of Panmichau i have not for i have had no time who has a head for anything but the storm then let us go now go to sleep first said zaguaba true true i am barely standing on my feet so when he came to his own quarters pan andrei followed zaguaba's advice especially as he found hassling asleep but zaguaba and vordyovsky came to see him in the evening they sat down in the broad summer-house which the Tartars had made for their bagadia. The Kemliches poured out for them mead a hundred years old, which the king had sent to Kmitchitz, and they drank it willingly, for the air was hot outside. Hassling, pale and emaciated, seemed to draw life and strength from the precious liquid. Zagwoba clicked with his tongue and wiped perspiration from his forehead. "'Hey, how the great guns are thundering!' said the young Scot, listening. "'Tomorrow you will go to the storm. It is well, for the healthy. God give you blessing. "'I am of foreign blood, and serve him whom it was my duty to serve. "'But you have my best wishes. Ah, what meed this is! Life enters me!' Thus speaking, he threw back his golden hair, and raised his blue eyes toward heaven." He had a wonderful face, half childlike as yet. Zagwoba looked at him with a certain emotion. "'You speak Polish as well as any of us,' said he. "'Become a Pole. Love this, our country, and you will do an honourable deed, and Mead will not be lacking to you. It is not difficult for a soldier to receive naturalisation with us.' "'All the more easy, since I am a noble,' answered Hasling. "'My name is Hasling Kettling of Elgin. "'My family come from England, though settled in Scotland. "'Those countries beyond the sea are far away, "'and somehow it is more decent for a man to live here,' said Zagwaba. "'It is pleasant for me here.' "'But unpleasant for us,' said Kmicic, "'who from the beginning was twisting impatiently on the bench, "'for we are anxious to hear what is going on in Taurogi, but you are talking genealogies ask me i will answer have you seen palina belevich often over the pale face of hassling blushes passed. every day said he Kmichits looked at him quickly were you such a confidant why do you blush every day how every day for she knew that i wished her well and I rendered her some services. That will appear from the further narrative, but now it is necessary to commence at the beginning. You, gentlemen, know, perhaps, that I was not at Kiedani when Prince Boguslav came and took that lady to Tarogi. Therefore, I will not repeat why that happened, for different people gave different accounts. I will only say that they had scarcely arrived when all saw at once that the prince was terribly in love. "'God punish him!' cried Kmiczitz. Amusements followed, such as had not been before, tilting at the ring and tournaments. Anyone would have thought it a time of the greatest peace, but letters were coming in every day, as well as envoys from the Elector and from Prince Janusz. We knew that Prince Janusz was pushed by Sapieha and the Confederates. He implored for rescue by the mercy of God, for destruction was threatening him. We did nothing. On the elector's boundary, troops were standing ready. Captains were coming with letters, but we did not go with assistance, for the prince had no success with the lady. Is that why Boguslav did not give aid to his cousin? Asked Zagwaba. It is. Patterson said the same, and all the persons nearest the prince. Some complained of this. Others were glad that the Rajivils were falling. Sakovich conducted all public business for the prince, answered letters, and held council with the envoys. But the prince was labouring on one idea only, to contrive some kind of amusement, either a cavalcade or hunt. He, a miser, scattered money on every side. He gave orders to fell forests for whole miles so that the lady might have a better view from her windows. In a word, HE REALLY SCATTERED FLOWERS under HER FEET, AND RECEIVED HER IN SUCH FASHION THAT HAD SHE BEEN QUEEN OF SWEDEN, HE COULD HAVE INVENTED NOTHING BETTER. MANY PITIED HER, AND SAID, ALL THIS IS FOR HER RUIN. AS TO MARRYING, THE PRINCE WILL NOT MARRY, AND IF HE CAN ONLY CATCH HER HEART, HE WILL DECEIVE HER. BUT IT APPEARED THAT SHE WAS NOT A LADY TO BE CONDUCTED whither VIRTUE DOES NOT GO. OH! WELL, WHAT? cried Kmitchitz, springing up. I know that better than others. How did Panina Bilevich receive these royal homages? asked Pan Mihail. At first with affable face, though it was evident that she was bearing some sorrow in her heart. She was present at the hunts, at the masquerades, cavalcades and tournaments, thinking indeed that these were usual court amusements with the prince. It happened on a time that the prince, straining his imagination over various spectacles, wished to show the lady the counterfeit of war. He had a settlement burned near Taurogi, infantry defended it, the prince stormed the place. Evidently he gained a great victory, after which, being sated with praise, he fell at the lady's feet and begged for a return of his love. It is not known what he proposed to her but from that time their friendship was at an end. She began to hold night and day to the sleeve of her uncle, the sword-bearer of Rochenye. But the prince? Began to threaten her, did he? Cried Kmitchitz. What, threaten? He dressed himself as a Greek shepherd, as Philemon. Special couriers were flying to Königsberg for patterns of shepherds' garments, for ribbons and wigs. He feigned despair, he walked under her windows and played on a lute. And here I tell you, gentlemen, what I really think. He was a savage executioner of the virtue of ladies, and it may be boldly said of him, as is said in our country of such people, his size filled out the sails of more than one lady, but this time he fell in love in earnest, which is no wonder, for the lady reminds one more of a goddess than a dweller in this earthly vale. Here, Hassling blushed again, but Pan Andrei did not see it, for seizing his sides with satisfaction and pride, he looked with a triumphant glance at Zagloba and Vordiovsky. We know her, a perfect Diana. She needs only the moon in her hair, said the little knight. What Diana? Diana's dogs would howl at Diana if they could see Panana Bilevich. Therefore, I said, it is no wonder answered Hassling. Well, but with that no wonder I would burn him with a slow fire, for that no wonder I would have him shod with hobnails. Give us peace, interrupted Zagwaba. Get him first, then play pranks, but now let this cavalier speak. More than once I was on watch before the room in which he slept, continued Hassling. I know how he turned on his bed, sighed, talked to himself and hissed as if from pain. Evidently, desires were burning him. He changed terribly, dried up. It may be too that the illness under which he afterward fell was diving into him. Meanwhile, news flew through the whole court that the prince had become so distracted that he wanted to marry. This came to Yanush's princess, who with her daughter was living at Taurogi. Then began anger and disputes, for, as you know, Boguslav, according to agreement, is to marry Yanush's daughter when she comes of age. But he forgot everything, so pierced was his heart. Yanush's princess, falling into a rage, went with her daughter to Kurland. That same evening he made a proposal to Panina Bilevich. Did he make proposals? cried Zagwaba, Kmitschits and Pan Bihau with astonishment. He did, first to the sword-bearer of Rochenye, who was no less astonished than you, and would not believe his own ears, but, convinced at last, he was barely able to control himself from delight, for it was no small splendour for the house of Bilevich to be united with the Rajivius. It is true, as Patterson said, that there is some connection already, but it is old and forgotten. Tell on, said Kmicic, trembling from impatience. Both went to the lady with all ostentation, as is the custom on such occasions. The whole court was trembling. Evil tidings came from Prince Yanush. Sakovitch alone read them, but no one paid attention to them, nor even to Sakovitch, for he had fallen out of favour because he had proposed the marriage but among us some said that it was no novelty for the rajivils to marry ordinary noble women that in the commonwealth all nobles were equal and that the house of bilevich went back to roman times and this was said by those who wished to gain for themselves the favour of the coming princess others asserted that this was a stratagem of the prince to come to great intimacy with the lady which happens not infrequently between persons betrothed that was it, nothing else, said Zaglova. And so I think, said Hasling. But listen further. When we were deliberating in the court among ourselves in this fashion, the report went out like a thunderbolt that the lady had cut all doubt as with a sabre, for she refused him directly. God bless her, cried Kmitschitz. She refused him directly, continued Hasling. It was enough to look at the prince to know that. He, to whom princesses yielded, could not endure resistance and almost went mad. It was dangerous to appear before him. We all saw that it would not remain long thus and that the prince would use force sooner or later. In fact, the sword bearer of Rochenier was carried off the next day to Tilgia, beyond the elector's boundary, That day, the lady implored the officer keeping guard before her door to give her a loaded pistol. The officer did not refuse that, for being a noble and man of honour, he felt compassion for the lady and homage for her beauty and resolution. Who was that officer? asked Kmicic. I, answered Hasling dryly. Pan Andrei seized him by the shoulders so that the young Scot, being weak, called out from pain. That is nothing, cried Kmicic. You are not a prisoner. You are my brother, my friend. Tell me what you wish. In God's name, tell me what you wish. To rest a while, answered Hustling, breathing heavily, and he was silent. He merely pressed the hands which Panmiha and Zagwaba gave him. At last, seeing that all were burning with curiosity, he continued... I forewarned her, too, of what all knew, that the prince's physician was preparing some intoxicating drug. Meanwhile, fears turned out to be groundless, for God interfered in the affair. He touched the prince with his finger, threw him on a bed of sickness, and kept him there a month. It is a marvel, gentlemen, but it happened as if he had been cut from his feet as with a scythe that same day, when he intended to attack the virtue of this lady. The hand of God, I say, nothing else. He thought that himself, and was afraid. Maybe, too, that during his sickness the desire left him. Maybe he was waiting to regain his strength. It is enough that when he came to himself, he left her in peace, and even permitted the sword-bearer to come from Tilgia it is true also that the sickness which confined him to his bed left him but not the fever which is i believe crushing him to this day it is true also that soon after he left the bed he had to go on the expedition to ticochin where defeat met him he returned with a still greater fever then the elector sent for him but meanwhile a change took place at taurogi of which it is wonderful and laughable to tell. It is enough that the prince cannot count on the loyalty of any officer or any attendant unless on very old ones, who neither hear nor see perfectly, and therefore guard nothing well. What happened? asked Zagwaba. During the tikochin campaign, before the defeat at Tanov, they captured a certain Panana Anusha Bozobohata and sent her to Tauloghi. There, grandmother, you have cakes, exclaimed Zagwaba. Pan Mihal began to blink and move his moustaches. At last he said, say nothing bad of her, or when you recover you will have to meet me. Even if I wished I could say nothing bad of that lady, but if she is your betrothed, I say that you take poor care of her, and if she is a relative, you know her too well to deny what I say. It is enough that in one week she made all in the company, old and young, in love with her, and only by using her eyes with the addition of some tricks of witchcraft of which I can give no account. She, I should know her in hell by this, muttered Zagwaba. It is a wonderful thing, said Hasling. Panana Bilevich is equal to her in beauty, but has such dignity and unapproachableness that a man, while admiring and doing homage to her, does not dare to raise his eyes, much less to conceive any hope. You know yourselves, gentlemen, that there are different kinds of ladies. Some are like ancient Vestals. Others, you have barely seen them, and you wish. Worthy, sir, said Pan Mihal threateningly. Don't make a fool of yourself, Mihal, for he tells the truth, said Zagwaba you go around like a young cockerel and show the whites of your eyes, but that she is a coquette we all know, and you have said so more than a hundred times. Let us leave this matter, said Hasling. I wished simply to explain to you, gentlemen, why only a few were in love with Panina Bilevich, those who could really appreciate her unrivaled perfection, here he blushed again, and with Panina Borjo Bohata nearly all. As God is dear to me, I had to laugh, for it was just as if some plague had come upon hearts. Disputes and duels increased in the twinkle of an eye. And about what? For what? You must know that there was no one who could boast of the love of the lady. Each one believed blindly in this alone, that earlier or later he would have some success. He has painted her, as it were, muttered Pan Mihal. But these two young ladies became wonderfully fond of each other, continued Hassling. One would not move a step without the other, and Panana Borja Bahata manages in Taurogi as it pleases her. How is that? asked the little knight. For she rules everybody. Sakovitch did not go on a campaign this time because he is in love, and Sakovitch is absolute master in all the possessions of Prince Boguslav and Panana Anusha governs through him." "'Is he so much in love with her?' asked Mihau "'He is, and has the greatest confidence in himself, for he is a very rich man.' "'And his name is Sakovitch?' "'You wish, I see, to remember him well?' "'Certainly,' answered Mihau, as it were, carelessly, but at the same time he moved his moustaches so ominously that a shudder went through Zagwoba. I only wish to add, continued Hassling, that if Paninoborzha Bohata should command Sakovitch to betray the prince and lighten her escape and that of her friend, I think he would do it without hesitation. But so far as I know, she wishes to do that without his knowledge, maybe to spite him, who knows." It is enough that an officer, a relative of mine, but not a Catholic, assured me that the departure of the sword-bearer with the ladies is arranged. Officers are involved in the conspiracy, and it is to take place soon. Here, Hassling began to breathe heavily, for he was weary and was using the last of his strength. And this is the most important thing that I had to tell you, added he hurriedly. Vorodyovsky and Kmichits seized their heads. Whither are they going to flee? To the forests and through the forests to Białowieża. Further conversation was interrupted by the entrance of Sapieha's orderly, who delivered to Pan Mihal and Kmichits a quarter of a sheet of paper folded in four. Vorodyovsky had barely unfolded his when he said, The order to occupy positions for tomorrow's work. "'Do you hear how the cannons are roaring?' asked Zagwaba. "'Well, tomorrow, tomorrow.' "'Oof, hot!' said Zagwaba. "'A bad day for a storm. "'May the devil take such heat, mother of God, "'but more than one will grow cold in spite of the heat. "'But not those, not those who commend themselves to thee, our patroness. "'But the cannons are thundering. "'I am too old for storms. "'The open field is something else.' Another officer appeared in the door. Is His Grace Pan Zagwaba here? asked he. I am here. By the command of our gracious king, you are to be near his person tomorrow. Ha! He wishes to keep me from the storm, for he knows that the old man will move first, only let the trumpet sound. He is a kind Lord, mindful. I should not like to annoy him, but whether I shall restrain myself, I know not. For when the desire presses me, I think of nothing and roll straight into the smoke. Such is my nature, a kind Lord. Do you hear how the trumpets are sounding for everyone to take his place? Well, tomorrow, tomorrow. Saint Peter will have work. He must have his books ready. In hell, too, they have put fresh pitches in the kettles, a bath for the Swedes. Off, off, to-morrow. End of chapter 39. Recording by David Granville-Young.